she's on the inside. She got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. Caroline. No one can do it quite like Caroline. It's time for Caroline. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Hyper Caroline Hobby. I am your host, Caroline Hobby. I know music, I know people, and I know the questions you want to ask. So let's get hyper. Heads up, these are adults having adult conversations, so there could be adult content. Y'all, I'm pretty excited. I have Luke Pell joining me. I know all y'all watched The Bachelorette, and y'all all were rooting for him to win. I am so surprised he didn't win. I thought he was going to be the one. But he talks all about his journey on The Bachelorette. What goes on behind the scenes, his whole life story, which is so insightful. He is so wise for his young age and his country music career. So you guys get excited. Here is Luke Pell. And if you want to watch this interview, go to my website, carolinehobby.com and click watch and you can see the whole thing. Here he is. How are you? How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm glad to be here as early as it is. You're looking fresh face though. Hey, I tried to get up and just... Hold it together. You have like a here. daily routine that you do in the morning? So you uh, come out looking fab? It's called roll over, put a t-shirt on, and go for it. To be a guy. Brush your teeth. Gosh, it is so, <laughs> you guys don't even know how lucky you have. I know. I, yeah. I'd be, I'd be a terrible girl. I mean, because we have to curl our hair, <laughs> put on makeup, do the whole thing. It's a whole process. I don't know process. how you guys do it. It's like hours of every day, every day is spent like. I find it exhausting. Doing your thing. Yes. Yeah. And you can just like run your hands through your hair. Done. Yeah. The messier the better usually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not Bedhead fair. Bedhead is like what you want to happen. It's the goal. It's so really just sleep well. Yeah, exactly. And you're fine. <laughs> okay. So I want to start off with a little rapid fire. Yeah. Because everyone knows you from The Bachelorette. You yeah. kind of rose to fame on mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more. Yeah. We're going to cover it all. But I'm going to start with a little rapid fire. Love it. Okay. So say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Dating. Complicated. <laughs> yeah. What's so complicated about dating? Uh, everything now. You know, it's like uh, from being, because that's, I mean, that's how everybody knows me now is because of the TV show. So. Is it hard to date on TV? Um, no, it's actually simple to date on TV because everybody knows the drill. Like, it's like, you know, it's a thing. You have, you know, producers basically telling you what your rules are. How to, what how, are your rules? How to date. Well, it's how, like, what are your oh, rules like, of dating on the like, show? Oh, you have a date card today, so you get to go on a date with somebody. You know, it's like you, don't, you can't, like, text somebody or, like, call them or whatever. You just have to you wait. You have no prerogative of your, of your own. It's all, like, basically based off of what you're allowed to do. So, yeah, so it's like, ah, oh, today I'm going to go on a one-on-one date. We're going to go dog sledding through the woods of Pennsylvania in a go-kart, and then we're going to go... A, a concert and uh, you know whatever. You have a hot tub in the woods, so it's like okay, great. You always just, you the just hot go tub. for it. Gotta have the hot tub hey, scene. There's always a hot tub scene. Maybe two hot tub scenes per season. So I mean, I, you gotta I get got, a good makeout in the hot tub. I got the first hot tub scene. And I wouldn't. I wasn't mad at it. <laughs> it was good. Is it interesting having like having how many guys are on there? Usually like 25 to 30. Is it interesting having <laughs> one girl? Like, what if you don't have chemistry with that girl? And like, did you know who the girl was before? Uh, no, we didn't know until like what the if day you before. see her and like you just aren't feeling it? Well, like, we had we had a, we kind of knew it was like one of two girls before we get there. Um, like so what if it's, it's not like a match? One or the other. But um, yeah, if it's not a match, yeah, I mean, I think some guys they stay around and you have a couple of choices. You can decide to be like the villain of the show, and then you can stay around if you want to participate longer. Was that that would be Chad? Yeah, 
He sad, was crazy. Right? He was crazy. And that's this the first, like, like, the first question I always get. They're like, oh, you're in The Bachelorette. That's awesome. Uh, is it scripted? And then usually the next question is, was Chad that crazy? He's, he just drives that question. Everybody that asks me that, airport, Starbucks, wherever I'm at. Well, he just had, like, anger Chad problems. crazy. I felt like. Yeah, well, I think that um, he might have had, he might have had, a, was a little disillusioned with, with what he was getting into. Mm -hmm. And then once he saw that that frustration that he showed kind of paid off and was like the producers, like, kind of rewarded him for it, then it, like, became a thing, you know, oh. and, you know. They liked the character he was building. Yeah, and so it's kind of like, you know, creating, you know, like a, like a. Storyline. Like okay. a, if somebody has, like, a, a dog and they, like, torment it. Mm. It becomes like fighting becomes its thing, you know, and so that's right. kind of like what they did. They, would they like egged keep it on. They would keep poking the bear until he just. <gasps> that's not very nice. Yeah, became the full beast that Chad is, you know, the full, the full <laughs> Chad, the full Chad bear. The full Chad. The reality TV villain of all time. Yeah. Did you have any like best friends that you met on the show? Um, you know, it's funny. You're like competing and stuff against each other, trying to date the same person. So, all the guys that are most similar to each other on the show are also in, in the most, most competitive for each other. So you don't really become friends on the show that much. You kind of do because it's kind of a weird deal. Again, it's a reality TV, so it's not the same as it is in the real world. So people, the jealousy and stuff is not the same. But I think after... What do you mean it's not the same? The jealousy is not the same. It's just like, you know, if you start dating somebody in the real world and um, you've been dating them three months or whatever, and you find out that they're texting someone else, or Bye. like you like, pissed. Yeah, like, it's like a big deal. Like you're mad. Yes. Like you feel like a trust thing. And there's issues and all these. And on there, it's kind of like, well, whatever. Like you know that you already know night one. She's just probably making out with three other guys in the next How 20, is 20 that? minutes after you are. So is that like crazy on the brain? Yeah, I mean a little bit, <laughs> but I mean I think. I bet it's, it might be harder for girls. I don't know if it's harder for girls or guys. Well, guys are used to it because guys don't usually emotionally get as emotionally attached. attached. As, yeah, exactly. Like women, I feel like being the bachelor exactly. would actually be a, maybe harder because girls can yeah, go crazy. Exactly. They get very volatile, like emotionally. So. <laughs> and possessive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, you know, we kind of know how it goes. So I think the guys, after the show was the thing where you end up making friends um, you know, better than when we were on air because it's like you have time back in the real world to get to know each other. It's like my buddy Wells Adams that's here in Nashville. He lives in Nashville. Yeah, so like, you know, we've become really good friends since the show, you know, just partly because we're both in Nashville, but, you know, we're just both, you know, similar about how we live our lives. We're both, you know, someone in the entertainment industry as well, and it's just we have a lot in common. So um, so Wells is one. Another buddy of mine um, who's been going through a lot of tough stuff outside of TV lately is, is Chris Souls, who was the guy from Iowa, who was The Bachelor like three years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and How so is he doing? We've done some events together over the past year and became really close, became good friends. And uh, He seemed like a sweetheart. He's a great, he's a really great guy. Mm -hmm. He really is. Um, love Chris. He, he, he's a great people person. And uh, just, you know, everybody that meets him loves him to death as he's just a great guy, you know. And so it's unfortunate that um, he had to go through um, this, this accident and everything that he's been dealing with uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, things happen, and, you know, you never know when uh, accidents are going to happen, tragedies will happen. So, mm -hmm. anyway, so, yeah. Bachelor Nation sticks together, huh? They do. They, uh, you know, Bachelor Nation is, is such an interesting thing. Now that this whole last year I've gotten to be exposed to it and kind of understand, like, oh, everybody from past seasons, we all have this bond common bond that we've all been through the same thing you know we've been through this reality tv like 
lab rat social experiment and so we have this like <laughs> common bond that's yeah. totally the way to put it huh because mm -hmm. yeah. no one really understands right and that. so you've been like through that for eight weeks and it means it's like you're just completely um you know taken away from the rest of the world and isolated from the rest of the world and no phone no internet all that stuff so you're just like oh my god this is this is like no other experience in my life so and yeah. it's involving heartstrings and love, which adds yeah. a new element. It's not just like a reality yeah. show where you're. It's like reality show, but you're also supposed to be emotional and, and really like vulnerable and wanting yeah. to maybe get married. Yeah, marriage. I mean, at the end of the show, it's the biggest it's thing. A big you can life do. decision. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're keep inching closer to the Hunger Games <laughs> every every season of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. So. How did it feel though to make it all the way to the end? Did you get fourth or third? Uh, fourth. Yeah. I can't believe. Robbie, Robbie got second. <laughs> I mean, Robbie's a good guy. I know. He's a great guy. But how does it feel to get that close and to yeah. feel like you have this connection and then to realize that other people have it too? I'm sure you're so tired of talking about your We just have to talk about it a little no, bit. No, I'm good. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit, it's really weird. I mean, at the end, people are like, oh, is it fake, scripted, whatever. Um, and I always tell them, you know, it's like when you do go to the hometown th time frame, like when you're like introducing them to your family and stuff, then you're like, okay, wait a minute, this, this is no longer just circus tricks and like reality TV. Like one of us is going to like really bring this person back to Christmas this year. You know what I mean? With the family. Is that like, an exciting thought or is that a terrifying thought? I mean, it's just a little bit of both. It's just like a very sobering thought. You're just like, that's when you got really introspective at that point. You're like, okay, let's go through this in my mind. Like. Is this the right person for me? Like you would do in real life about thinking about like, you know, is that person the right person or the right time in your life to get married? And you just go back through that, you know, kind of list of priorities and say, oh, am I ready? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Did you actually, when you, how did you sign up for The Bachelorette? How did you even <laughs> like get on this That's journey? A funny story. <laughs> uh, my, so the lady that did my hair. You got great hair. Oh, thank you. So you got to trust her opinion. I mean, she does, she does a great job. <laughs> Yeah, so the lady that did my hair, this is like a year before I was actually called by the casting department. She had kind of like, she tried to set me up with people that came in the salon. She's like, you should meet this girl. In Nashville. Uh, this was actually back in Texas. when I was, you, I was like half and half back in Texas. Like, this was uh, three or almost four years ago now. Okay, because you're from Texas in the Army. Yeah. And then moved to Nashville to do music before the Bachelorette. Yeah, so I, was, I did the military for nine years. And then I was in uh, corporate America for about like three years. Doing what? Um, I was an engineer at an oil company in Oklahoma City. Uh, Look at you just doing years. all this stuff. Yeah, and then I worked for a consulting firm, did sales and some business development things for them um, down near Houston, Texas. And okay. so that's where I was at that point. And so she tried to set me up with some people, and then she's like, you know what, if that doesn't work out, she's like, I'm just going to sign you up for The Bachelor. That's what you should do. And I was like, you know, we kind of made a joke <laughs> out of it. We're like, that's funny, haha, whatever. And she really did it. Wow. And then a year later, they call me, and they're like, hey, we had this packet turned in. I don't know. Maybe somebody else turned one in, too. And, uh, and so I was like, sure, why not? They why said, not? we're coming to Nashville. We want to interview you. So we met over at the Sheridan, and uh, they like did like a little mock interview on camera. And um, that was it. Then they flew me to L.A. We did the full-on um, you know, uh, producer meetings there, and then we were filming like a month later. So, Dang. Yeah, it was pretty quick. My whole thing is, I can't kiss people unless I like them. And obviously now I'm married, so like I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. But if I wouldn't have had a connection with someone, I don't think I could make myself make out with them. I mean, I think there was probably some people that were on the whole season that didn't make out with her. And that's why like, that whole there thing. Was never, they stayed there, but there was never like that physical chemistry And connection. they talk about that, how yeah. it's like, we just don't have the connection or right. the thing. Okay. 
But what if you didn't have a connection, but you were about like three glasses of wine deep? Well, I'd have to be three glasses of wine deep, <laughs> for sure. Because that's the other, that's their other trick. They just like feed the alcohol hey, to people. Hammer. They're like, everybody, like, more drinks. Anybody can make out hammer. See what they'll say, see what they'll do. <laughs> Everything just goes up by a great percentage of the likelihood of just people saying crazy things, doing crazy things. So. And to be hammered on national TV making out is oh, like yeah. crazy. Yeah, it really is. What's some of the crazy stuff that happened behind the scenes or on the scenes that like, um, I mean, it's just weird. Like, you know, you, like most people, I had never seen myself like making out with somebody. Did you like I don't what know you what, saw? I don't know what it looked like. Well, I mean, <laughs> I heard it was actually good. A lot of people, like this lady comes to a show last week in Pittsburgh. She's like 70, you know, and she's like, I watch that hot tub scene with you every night. <laughs> I was like, I, I was don't like, know if that's like a, I was a like, compliment what? or a little freaky. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, you're you... a sweet little old lady, and I don't know how I feel about this right now. Listen, I'm a little embarrassed. Ladies got to get their rocks off too, you know? I, I guess so. <laughs> I was like, all right, fair enough. You, you, you watch that hot tub scene. Okay. That's hilarious. So, yeah, anyway, that was kind of weird watching, you know, like yourself do that, but. I went through it. And then you learn a little, like, all the nuance. You get annoyed watching all the things that you kind of knew you did, but you didn't stop doing them. What annoyed you about yourself? Just, you know, I would, like, when I got nervous, for instance, I was trying to get in a deep conversation at dinner or something. I would start saying like a lot when I was trying to, like, think my way through my words and very carefully navigate how what I was talking about. I was like, you know, like, and I was like, oh, my God, I said like 47 times in that conversation. That's so annoying. But, you know, it's just little, little things. So. Do you feel like JoJo and Jordan are a good match? Yeah, I think they are. They seem to be. Do you think you would have been happy if you were the one? Would you still be together? Um, yeah, I think we would too. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, and maybe people are mad at me for this, but I don't think there's just one person in the whole world. Some people are like, oh, there's only there's that one person that's right for you. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think there, it just depends on the situation and kind of just it's a choice you make. Mm -hmm. And you can make that great and, and make that choice, you know, worthwhile um, after the fact. But I think you just have to live with your choice of who you end up with, you know, and that's part of it. Mm -hmm. And you kind of grow together and build a relationship together. But it's not necessarily one person is going to be better than the other, but, you know, it may be different. So. What are your views on marriage, considering you went on, like, a marriage yeah. show? <laughs> a marriage, <a> marriage show. <laughs> I mean, what about, I mean, I, I think I, lo I love marriage. I think my, my, my parents are such an inspiration to me. They've been married literally 38, 39 years. No way. Yeah. Aw. And uh, awesome. so, I mean, they were married when they were 20, 21 years old, and they've just stayed together the whole time. And uh, Did, Have they given you any marriage advice? Or have you learned um, anything from their marriage? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. I, when we came home to film the show, I was asking my dad, like, having the conversation on camera. How did he feel about it? Right? And so well, it's on camera, so it's like... I don't know if, you know, people are, you're a little bit more careful with what you say and how you say it, and you kind of reach for deeper conversations and things than maybe you would in other, other situations. So I was like, you know, how did you know that mom was the right one when you decided to get married? And he was, he told me, he said, you know, we had been broken up, and um, he's like, I couldn't live a day without her. He's like, that's how I knew. He's like, so I had, I, he's like, I came back, and he's like, there's one day I just I came back to town, and I just told her how I felt because I couldn't stay away from her. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I've never heard my dad say that about <laughs> that Dang. part of the story before. And so, anyway, I think that, you know, it was just interesting, you know, going through that and, and hearing. It just, it really opened my eyes up to even my own, you know, myself, my family, and just the whole situation, kind of what my, what 
I want for my future. Made me think about it, made me verbalize it, made me talk about it. So, so what if now verbalizing your yeah. future and your ideal plan? What yeah. is like your five your five year dream plan for Luke Pell, <laughs> ten year dream plan? That's always a moving target. <laughs> uh, it, it has you don't been. have it all nailed down? I haven't got it all nailed down. Maybe some people do. I don't know. That's great. Um, no, I, I'm so happy to be. I got to a point where you know, I got out of the military, and then I went into this. How was that experience? Because that's an amazing great. thing and a huge part I of mean, your life. Yeah. How long, I mean, how long I did you serve? I have podcasts on podcasts about just the military experience. But um, I was in nine years, four years in um, college, which I was at West Point, which is like in the summertime we do military training, and then you're basically, you know, I played football there. So you, you go to school, and, and I played a sport during the you know spring and fall semesters, and then in the summer we do like military training. So. Anyway, that was four years, then five years I was an uh, officer afterwards. So. And you were in Afghanistan for mm -hmm. how many years? I was in Afghanistan for a year. So. Which is amazing. Yeah. What did you learn? So. What's your takeaway from all that? Because that's a huge perspective yeah, that most people don't I, get to see. I think that, you know, um, <clears throat> I think it's just for people to, it opened my eyes to the rest of the world, you know, and my worldview was so much broader after that. What, how did it broaden? You know, once I've seen a third world country, as we call them, and see that, hey, you know, this is the other end of the spectrum of you live this um, this privileged 21st century westernized life in, in the U.S. where you can do completely whatever you want with your life or do nothing with your life and you. no repercussions for it. Um, or you can, you know, also there's these people that are living in Afghanistan that have nothing to their name other than, you know, a bag of rice and a car battery to, to keep a flashlight on in their mud hut mm -hmm. at night, you know. And so you just see that the spectrum of humanity and and then, and then also this whole situation of war is thrown into the same thing and you're in the middle of it and now you're you're a, you know, you're a a part of a vehicle a catalyst of the war, you know, enacting in that. Um, war and so it, it's just a really interesting thing to go through that. How did that understand. make you feel with all those different thoughts happening? It's a, I mean, it's a lot. I think it's different for a lot of different people. It depends on your background and what you come through. I know my undergrad was in sociology, so That's I kind of had a foundation of understanding people and and culture and why people do the things that they do. And so I think I was, I was really glad that I studied that in school and then came out with that degree because help me kind of understand that culture, understand my soldiers' culture and what they're going through and how to deal with those, you know, life and death situations. And, you know, there's just, there's just so many things that we could unpack about, you know, issues that soldiers deal with being away from their own families, um, being in combat, um, you know, dealing with another culture, the differences between the two cultures. Like, there's just so much. And then, and then there's the whole, like, theoretical political science conversation of why you're there in the first place, why you're you know, why your nation is even involved in that and all these things. So you're trying to prioritize and make and rationalize and make sense for why you're there, why you do what you do. Do you feel like you... All those things. It's just a, it's a lot to the process. Do you feel time. like you ever fully know the full reason for why you're there? Um, I think that you have to come to terms with what your responsibility and what your role is, and that's not to figure that out. Like, sure, you can lay in bed at night and kind of think about it casually if you want, but... You know, if you're in the military, you're an officer in the military, you are you have to find what your role is and redefine that every day and say, it's to lead these soldiers and, and this is my world and I take what I'm given from this hierarchy of, of the military that we've developed in this country that I signed up to serve 
and you go and you you know you lay out that plan and you you know you try to keep your guys safe and try to accomplish those objectives and that mission and you bring them home and that's what that's what you do at the end of the day functionally and then you can think and theorize about why you're there and why you're personally involved in it and all those things later you know but at the end of the day you just have to try to keep those guys safe and and, and do your job so you just know? keep your uh, your mind focused on your task yeah, at hand just learn to play your role because i think so many times and that's what's one of the things that so many you know college kids today and i feel like old saying this but college <laughs> kids today they really take this whole like freedom of speech thing to a whole other level where it's like they feel like they have the right to judge and call people out in other in other circles of the world that they have no right or you know um they have no business like making those judgments or saying those things so they, they don't know feel, anything they feel about like it. that entitlement that they feel that they can and they haven't been there that's not their role and yet they'll want to like you know rapidly you know reach out and react and protest about things and like look you know, know, know your role, theorize mm -hmm. about it, write a book about it, whatever your feelings are, but, you know, it's not, they get outside of their bounds a lot of times. So that's a whole political conversation. So what's your perspective on our culture, yeah. considering you did one of the most American things you could ever do, be yeah. on The Bachelorette, you know? <laughs> and then you also yeah. have served in the Army, which yeah. is the most broadening your mind for other perspectives. Right. So you have these two extreme contrasts happening here. Sure. How do you... Combine those two worlds and make sense of it all. And what do you take for what do you take from that? Yeah, because you know, you've been on both ends of the spectrum. Um, it's a lot, and it can be kind of disconcerting at a certain point if you try to, and overwhelming. Like if you try to take it all in and let it affect you. And I think that was the big thing that I learned. The, the overarching lesson is I learned to prioritize my life and keep moving forward and find what's important in my life. And, what is and get important back in your to that. life? And so. Um, that also came full circle when I was in those corporate jobs. I, uh, you know, people would say, you know, if you do what makes you happy, you never work a day in your life, you know. And I got to really being reflective about that whole thing. And those jobs were good. The money was good. The people were good. My resume was good. All those things. But I wasn't happy, you know. I was like, I, I, I had this thing. I wanted to go back to Nashville. I wanted to be back in that community or this community that I'm in now. And so um, I wanted to be in, in music. I wanted to learn how to be a songwriter, not for the money, but because it was something that was always this underlying theme of what I felt in my life and think something that evoked emotion in me and you know it just made me it helped me stay centered and stay focused on what was important in my life about you know family and relationships and and those type of things I mean and you find out life is short you know when I was 26 my last six my six months left in the military I was in El Paso Texas um, I was a captain in the army um, I'd already been to Afghanistan all these things I was in the best shape of my life um, I had my wisdom teeth out this is, you know, this is an interesting place where the story is going. I got an infection that got in my heart like a week after I had my wisdom teeth out. From your wisdom teeth? They never really knew. They didn't do the biopsy, but I got an infection that got in my heart. And wow. um, so then, like, I was in ICU for five days. I almost died. I was in a VA hospital in El Paso. And so that was, like, a time in my life where it was, like, super shocking because it, it blindsided me, you know? I wasn't prepared for it mentally. I was kind of, like, 10 feet tall and bulletproof to the world mm -hmm. is how I felt. Um going into that and so then it just took me took me back you know I was, it was like wow life is short you know I could I could have died in that hospital at 26 years old with no really reason why or just a freak accident a freak you know thing yeah. that came over me what did that do to your thinking when that happened yeah so I went so then I went through a whole time like the next year after that I was going through a time where 
I was trying to deal with anxiety, like health anxiety and all these things that I had never dealt with before. Like anxiety because what, what happened? Why did you have anxiety? Did just you? because you feel like you're like, once your heart is kind of like the central piece of you, you're not sure if it's going to work on any given day or quit on you and you don't mm -hmm. know why. It's like, you know, behaving the way that it is. Um, you feel like, oh, I might have another heart attack. or And then okay. it's like, that's tied to like anxiety symptoms. Which probably stresses so your heart like, out. So then it's like this, this like vicious cycle of like, Oh, now I'm having heart palpitations, and now I feel like I'm gonna have another like heart episode. Wow. But you don't really know like why so you had mental. it in the first place. So it's like this mental, just like <laughs> cycle that you're trying to fight through. So like before that, you know, when I was just getting out of West Point. I was like, you know, a tough guy, just getting into the army and stuff. You know, I would hear somebody had anxiety or depression or whatever, and be like, be like, like deal just, with it, man. You know, get over it. Like you're totally. just, you know, you're kind of soft mentally <laughs> or something. You know. Yes. And then after that whole like heart thing happened to me, and then it opened my eyes. I was like, wow, that like. Anxiety is a real thing. Like you can physically like be, just um, basically paralyzed because of what's going on in your head. You know, it feels and like you so, have a lot of acceptance for people and things now. Like you lived through so many situations. Yeah. I feel like you have a lot of grace and acceptance. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what all those different things. I mean, I went through like this perfect storm of personal experiences, personal health, weird, you know, rare things that happened to me, and then the military thing, and then just just so much that happened that allowed me to, you know, become accepting, but also become focused on what my priorities were in life, like what was important in life, you know? Do you so. think we have to go through, like, heartbreaking situations and, like, situations that, like, bring us to our knees to make us appreciate life on a fuller level? I, I, I think so, yeah. It's hard. It's, like, hard to wish that on people, but... Um, it's hard to see people going through it, too. It's the best way, absolutely. But it's the best way for people to really learn and come to terms with that. Um, they can read it in a book, read it in an article, whatever, and they won't get it unless they've really experienced it. You know, it won't stick. Sometimes maybe it does, but, you know, for the most part, I see when people go through it and they come out of the other side, that's when they've really learned, and then they can go and pass that, try to pass that lesson on to other people that, you know, can learn from it as well. So, so what do you think the point of this whole existence is that we're here? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's all about, like, you know, your, my purpose in life is just like waking up every day and knowing that I can try and attempt to change someone else's life. Leave, so you are trying to better the world. That's your goal? Yeah, That's your priority? Yeah, leave a legacy. You know, um, my faith is important to me. Talk to um, me about your faith. What do you believe? Yeah, so, um, I, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Um, and I, I grew up and I went through a whole other cycle of like finding my own faith through, um, you know, these legalistic ideas of like, oh, can I be a better person? Or is that what my faith is about? And like, how, like, am I, am I a good person or a bad person or whatever? To like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a faith that's based off grace and something that I can't, I can't earn, but that's already there. And that was, you know, based off Christ and all these things. So I learned that up like later into my twenties after I was out on my own and everything. And so it just became, um, I don't know, I just had a lot of, I had some full circle moments that happened in my late 20s that just kind of put it all, put it all together for me and then, and then led me into this next season of my life. So um, it's, been, it's been really a weird ride, but You've I, experienced I, I feel good about it. a lot to be so young. How old are you? Like, 32. Yeah, yeah, you're still, you're just so. getting started and you've already done so much. So do you believe in a calling? Like, do you think your calling has always been music? Or like how you said you um, don't necessarily believe in a soulmate. Do you think callings change? I think that everyone has a, I think everyone definitely has a calling. Uh, that you always not, felt yours specific was... um, to what they're doing. I think, I think it's more of a, more of a, a calling to 
um, have a purpose in life and give back like to other people. I, I think that's what it is. It's like this, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard of like altruism, whereas it's like, what, how do you care about other people? Like what, what impact do you have on others? And it's like, kind of like the whole um, family design. It's like mm-hmm. you're here to care for somebody else because like I think the, most, the loneliest, worst place to be in life is like selfishly living for nothing but you and what makes you, you know, physically happy totally. in that moment that day. You're very wise. Some people like live that life. You're very wise, Luke. To be like seriously, so young. I've just been through a lot, so you know I had to learn the hard way on a lot of things. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's awesome. It's interesting for sure. Tell me about music. Tell me about tell me about your music career. What can we expect from you coming (laughs) up? What are you excited about? And also, you have a song, uh, "Best Thing You've Ever Done." Yeah. Now, who's that about? <laughs> yeah, so um, that that song, music is something that I'm so glad to be back in Nashville. I finally made it back here. You know, um, you know, my, a lot of my peers they they came here out of college, you know, and they spent several years in here, just getting to know everybody. Maybe they went to Belmont and you know got a music business degree and and, and started you know songwriting at a much earlier age than I did. So sometimes I feel like I'm like trying to play catch up on on that scene a little bit because um, I still am a competitive person in terms of like know like w- what I'm doing as far as a career and everything no matter what that is um, so like, I got look at it from that standpoint but at the same time I'm just I'm happy just to be here and be in Nashville and doing what I love on a daily basis and the people in Nashville and the people that I've been fortunate to meet and work with they're just all just such great um, salty there are people that I, I, I value every one of those relationships and I'm glad that you know I get to spend my life you know, doing life with these with these people that are that are, I feel, you know, that I can relate to that you know have the same priorities in life that I do, and and that you know kind of see the world through the same you know glasses and the same view that I see it. So. So you keep saying priorities. What are like when you're spelling out your priorities? Family. What What are your priorities? Yeah, I think it, you know obviously it's it's family and it's relationships. I'm just a relational person. I think that like. Are you, we in you, a relationship right now? You can live and die. In, in your your whole span of whatever that however many years you're given on this earth and wh- why what's it about like and I think for me it's it's about the relationships that you have while you're here like friends family not just romantic yeah absolutely it's like mm-hmm. about all your relationships and that's about how you leave a legacy it's a, everything is relational if it's not that like it's a lonely life like there, totally. there's nothing there's no point in you being here it's like you're, you're Tom Hanks on an island with a volleyball, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yes. it's that whole phenomenon you're going through if it's not about, because even even in that phenomenon, you see that he wanted a relationship. That was the most fundamental thing that he needed. So mm-hmm. he makes a friend out of a volleyball and paints a face on it. And that's like a real human um, um, emotion, you know, and that, that we all need that. And so um, so anyway, so that that's that's part of the reason I like songwriting, because songwriting always comes back to some some way of explaining emotion or explaining a relationship if it's something about, you know, a, a father and a son and a family relationship or if it's about a breakup or it's about falling in love. It's all about relationships. I mean, I, I think that's just why I love the Nashville community, the songwriter community, because everything we kind of like think about that, we think on that on that level. And we're not thinking about, you know, usually as much about the hedge fund or right. what the Dow Jones is doing today or, you know, that type of thing. Totally. So. You're thinking from the heart. More primarily, yeah. What can we expect from you? What could be looking forward to you musically? Um, yeah, I, touring. I think that that's still a little bit open ended for me. I mean, I'm what we're doing, and we go out, and we play a lot of shows right now. We're playing ten or twelve uh, live shows a month. Um, that's awesome. And we're playing, you know, we're in a lot of different cities, and just 
we're out meeting all these people that um, some of them were introduced to me just because of the show, you know, and now they, they found out that, oh, he also is a songwriter and he's also coming out and coming to my city and, and playing these venues and that that's really cool to go out and meet those people, you know, and it's already interesting to see just, you know, some of them, um, they like, they know my parents' names or whatever and some people are like, oh, that's weird, like, you know, they feel like I should be more, you know, your life should be more private and it's kind of weird being on reality TV and people knowing so much about your personal life, but I, I love it, honestly. I'm like, because I'm just an open book. I'm like, life is short. I love getting to meet these people that I never would have met otherwise, you know? And uh, so, I mean, I think that's been the coolest thing over this past year, um, you know, not just in the music community in Nashville, but just in general. Like, I've met so many people through this whole process this past year, and, uh, and I, I love that. I love meeting people, so. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to wrap up and replace a little bit of song, mm -hmm. a couple songs. Um, are there any bucket list items left? You've done a lot of stuff in your life. Is there anything uh, like you're dying to do? I think there's do? always more bucket list uh, stuff to do. I mean, there's so much travel. There's so much of the world to see Where do that you, go? you never get to see. Um, I've never, like, I've never been to Australia. I would love to go there. Um, I've never been. I would love to go back and like, you know, the parts of the Middle East of where like, you know, the early uh, first century, like we're we're like Israel, I would like to go see some of that and like see, you know, kind of where we came from, where the Western world started and how it, you know, migrated out. I mean, we, you learn about all these things in school and like you never get to go see them. So like right. I'm a very visual learner. So um, those, that type of travel would be great for me, I think, and would really like concrete some ideas in my head. But I yeah. That. Yeah. Okay, so I like to wrap up with, well, also, and you've already been a music video star because you're in Runaway June's <laughs> music video, yeah. Lipstick. I was kind of sad there's no kissing because it's about kissing. <laughs> you didn't kiss any of those girls, and they're all beautiful. Yeah, well, I guess they all had boyfriends. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's for the scene. You can, it's like <laughs> permission, right? That's what I said. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm the professional kisser here, so it's up to you guys. <laughs> How do y'all want to roll? I'm with you. I totally hear you. So I like to wrap up with Leave Your Light. Yeah, so love that. So leave some inspiration of how you would like to inspire people or um, how you have been inspired. Yeah, I think that, you know, my biggest thing is I think, you know, when you wake up every day, you have a choice to decide are you going to change the world for the better or are you going to change the world, you know, to better yourself. And so I think that um, if you wake up every day with the motivation to go change someone else's world for the better, then then you can't go wrong with that, you know? And, and that's just kind of like an overarching, I think, philosophy that I try to live by, and, and then everything else kind of can follow suit. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Luke, you're, you're doing it. You're doing it. Okay, yeah. so now we're going to hear a couple songs from Luke Pell. Awesome. Teal Audio's newest speaker line, the Aurora Livestream speakers, are designed to fit seamlessly into your home with its wide range of connectivity. To check out the latest speaker line, go to tealaudio.com. Okay, Luke, you're going to play us some songs? I am, yeah. Tell me about this first one. <laughs> uh, this first one I wrote with uh, Brandon Hood and Brandon Kinney. And, Lots uh, of Brandons. Yeah, double Brandons here. Um, it's a song called Drink You In, and uh, it was just kind of like, oh my God, I like a good view. And so people were like, hey, let's check out that view, drink it in. And so then I made, we made it about um, somebody that we were in love with. So. Is this a fictional person or is it a real person? <laughs> it's always a real person. Um, but th sometimes it's like pieced together with multiple experiences, yeah. Okay. So. All right. Okay. Well, here we go. Drink you in. Yeah.
she got dressed up Then I really don't Cause seeing you look like that What I really want is to tell the downtown To keep that party Stay right here And the fire start now But you say we don't go out Cause I just wanna drink you in I sip you like that wine running across your lips Getting a little blue-eyed buzz Having a little way too much Girl, keep them coming Cause I just wanna drink you in Wanna drink you in Kick those high heels off I'll put a record on Pour another glass It's the all night long Soaking you up Every drop Feel it too tight I just wanna drink you in I sip you like that wine running across your lips Getting a little blue-eyed buzz Having a little way too much Girl, keep on coming I just wanna drink you in I wanna drink you in Stay right here and fire you starting now What you say, girl? Come on, let's don't go out Cause I just wanna drink you in I sip you like that wine Running across your Wanna drink you in Wanna drink you in <laughs> Yay! Okay, that was awesome. Got one. You got one more for us? Sure, we can do another. Can you tell us what this I'll is about? Another. I'll have another drink, please. Give me another. Uh, let's see, for this one, uh, I think I'm gonna do, we talked about the breakup song. Yeah, it, uh, you said it's too early it's for early. heartbreak, like, but I think it's, it's not. It's early, I don't know. I kinda wanna do, I kinda wanna do Pretty Close. Okay, what's Pretty is Close okay? about? Yeah. Um, this one is just about, um, it's funny, it's got a little deeper meaning. It was it was kind of like one of the songs I wrote initially about, we started the verses about just kind of that classic falling in love, simple, like let's be outside together, we don't need a lot, just like a kind of like a picnic basket in each other, right? And um, and then into the chorus, it has a part where it says, if I died right now, I'd be fine. 
uh, yeah, because holding you is how I'd want to go out. And so that part was about the time when I was telling you earlier in the podcast when I was in the hospital in um, um, El Paso, and I, th- I literally thought I was going to die. And so my like family came out, of course, and then my ex-girlfriend, who had been broken up with for a while, she found out about it, and like she came out anyway. And so, like, it was, like, one of those things. It was, like, it didn't really matter. It was, like, we weren't going to end up together, and that was fine. But, like, there was still, like, we loved each other at a certain point. And having somebody there, you know, when you think you're going to, that's the last time you're going to be there is uh, a big deal. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's the background of that song. That's a real good story. (laughs) I mean, that's, like, some real stuff. They say country music is real. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear it. Yeah. Pretty close. Yay, Luke Pell. Standing still, just watching you move. Tailgate angel feeling that groove. Wanna keep this moment rolling right in it tonight. Let's leave that uptown scene up to somebody else. We got everything we need right here by ourselves. Just you and me, and there's nowhere in paradise. We've got a sunset or a truck bed, little red wine. Just enough light there to see that kiss me one more time. Look in your eyes. If I died right now, I'd be fine. Yeah, holding you's how I'd wanna go. Heaven might not be at the end of this dirt road. Oh, but it's pretty close. Yeah, it's pretty close. You're my prayer, but can't get enough You got soul in the way you love The world just fades away like a west coast sky Cause we got a sunset or a truck bed and little red wine And just enough light there To see that kiss me one more time Look in your eyes If I died right now Fine, yeah, holding you's I'd wanna go out. Heaven might not be at the end of this dirt road. Oh, but it's pretty close and close enough to feel your heart beat against mine. Just hanging on as long as this night'll go. Heaven might not be the end of this dirt road. Heaven might not be at the end of this old dirt road. Oh, but it's pretty close. Yeah, it's pretty joining me.
awesome. You rock. I hope you loved this episode with Luke Pell. I know you did, especially if you're a Bachelorette fan. But even if you're not, what an interesting, insightful guy Luke is to be so young. He's had such a big life. It was such an honor to have him join me. And I'm so excited to follow his country music career as it starts to take off because it is really going. Next week, we have Steel Union. Steel Union is a trio. It is made up of Josh, Donnie, and Rachel, and they all are incredible musicians in their own right. Rachel was a Broadway star. She walked away from her Broadway career to pursue country music. She went on X Factor. She made it to the top 12. She's absolutely incredible. Josh and Donnie were in one of the hottest bands in Nashville called King Billy, and they've had their own journey. So we talk about all of that, how they came together, and their story is incredible. So get excited. Next week, we have Still Steel Union. And make sure if you want to watch this, go to my website, carolinehobby.com, and click watch, and you can see it all on my website, on my YouTube page. So join us live video if you want to see it that way. We'll see you next week.